0: Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, where we discuss the people, technology, and finance behind the world's communications networks. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading, and today I'm discussing pay TV and the future of online video with senior editor Jeff Baumgartner, the bombinator. Um, there's so much we could talk about in this um, world of pay TV, um, too much really. It's, it's incredibly fragmented. There's multiple business models at some companies, or even as we'll get into um embracing two or three business models at one time just because they're not really sure where the you know where the industry's going um, i found it helpful to uh dig into some ovum research on this topic um, if you check out what senior analyst kristen Pollan has done um, she puts out a mar- a u.s market update and that's a great place to start to get all the major cable and telecom operators subscriber numbers in an easy to read format. And you can compare numbers quarterly uh, to see how they're growing in broadband, how pay TV is shrinking, etc. cetera. Um, so with a bit of uh, help from uh, her work and our pals at Obam, um I distilled the uh, current state of affairs in the pay TV universe down to three big trends. And those trends are what Jeff and I are going to talk about right here, right now, right after this break. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff Baumgartner. Why, thank you, Phil. The thing that we have to talk about today, though, is um, we want to get into this whole pay TV universe because the whole industry is about to get distracted with 5G for another month or two. And there's some quite significant stuff happening in pay TV and how it relates to um, not just where mobile networks are going for the service providers, but also service provider strategy in general you know in the cable uh, broadband world as well so um, I was reading over uh, ovum's uh, research on the subject of pay TV and sort of where it intersects um, I pulled out three trends that we can talk about and we can also talk about sort of what's happening in the market recently to knit all of this together. Um, So we'll start with the first trend. Uh, Pay TV providers uh, are integrating OTT video services into their set-top boxes, and they're trying to prevent people from cord cutting. And as I went back through and looked at um, uh, the deals that people have with Netflix, it looks like almost every single provider of every type of TV service has a deal with Netflix.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, I think that's kind of the first one that everybody on the MVPD side thinks that they have to have yeah. uh, integrated. And, yeah, I mean, some of it makes sense. I mean, they're, they're kind of embracing these guys a little bit more. Uh, the MVPDs, the cable operators, want to participate, you know, in the growth and, and play up their role, you know, as an aggregator since consumers are going to get to that content one way or the other. Yeah. You know, and I think if you can keep them – on your platform, I mean, all the better, you know for them. But uh, you know, as I was looking, especially the way that Comcast is doing this, um, yeah I, I think that a lot of this also has to do with data. You know, I mean, Comcast is tying Amazon, Prime Video, and Netflix, you know into their x one platform uh, for everything from search and you know other data versus just kind of letting these guys on and living in a silo on, on the platform, but, you know, mm-hmm. without having a lot of visibility, but at least in the Comcast case, uh, you know, I mean, they want to know what their customers are doing. And I think the data part of those deals is sort of the, uh, the underappreciated part, you know, of what's going on. You know?
0: Huh. So, so they can, um, so by by going that extra mile and integrating with somebody that's, you know, by perception, your competition, Netflix or something like that, that Mm -hmm. gives them what kind of data does that give the service provider and how how does that help them? I guess.
1: Yeah, I think in the, I don't know specifically like what data Comcast gets. Like, I don't, I don't know if they get uh, specifics about which Netflix shows people are watching, but they do know when one of their X1 customers is, viewing Netflix or Amazon Prime right, or YouTube. Yeah. And I think that that gives them uh you know some pretty good visibility in terms of you know what their customers are doing in terms you know whether they're watching traditional linear T V or Comcast owned VOD service or they're, you know, toggling over to to Netflix to watch, you know, some original uh show. Uh you know, and I I guess they can use uh you know how they use that data, I guess we'll have to to see, but um you know, I think that they can use that data to kind of uh you know uh, figure out how they configure you know their user interfaces and what they're surfacing and you know uh, oh, I think yeah. they have a better sense of what's what's more popular than you know one thing or another, and you know they're integrating a lot of different o t t services and uh, you know I think some are going to be more popular than others and you know if you're kind of just shoving them into a silo uh, you know you don't really have that same level of visibility so I think that right. that's that was an important thing I think in terms of what went into that deal not that they announced all the the details financially but I think data getting access to a certain degree of it uh, was a big deal was a big part of it
0: so, so you know the 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 thing I guess they're they're defaulting to now is going ahead and giving the consumer more choice, uh, e- even if it's on their platform, because if they give them more choice mm-hmm. on their platform, then the thinking is they're less likely to leave their platform, right?
1: Yeah, I think that there is kind of a, a big retention aspect to that, um, you know, and kind of keeping them on their platform. I mean, Comcast, I mean, we keep going to them, but I mean, others yeah. are going to be doing it, Charter and everybody... Yeah, you know, they're investing. They're still investing in their video platforms. Um, you know, the the, the uh, exception is like Cable One. I mean, they're they're you know practically forsaking video you know, in favor of their broadband uh-huh. service. But uh, you know, these other guys, yeah, they're they're still investing a lot, and you know, they they want to keep uh, you know those eyeballs on their platform if they can. You know, instead of seeing them go to Fire TV or you know, doing an app on the Smart TV, or you know, otherwise not being on their platform, and they're also being kind of careful, though, in terms of what apps and services they're putting on their own platform. It's not like Roku that has thousands right. of apps. I mean, they're they're being a little more walled garden, you know, and mindful of uh, the range of uh-huh. content and the specific providers they're going to put on there.
0: How does this work, um, or how does this sort of uh, dovetail with that TiVo study you wrote about, um, recently where, um, one, one of the things that stuck out to me about that was TiVo looking at, uh, uh the idea that, and of course it's coming from TiVo. So, you know, obviously they're, they're, a, uh, they have a, they have a, a dog in this fight, but, um, mm-hmm. they were looking at content fatigue or they were saying that people they had surveyed were feeling like, Oh man, there's just too many choices. Wouldn't it be great if somebody could just put it all in one place for us?
1: Yeah, that's kind of uh, ironic, right? <laughs> I think right. it's, you know, you have like this paradox of choice going on. You know, I mean, everybody and anybody is like, hey, I want a la carte. I want to be able to buy everything I want based on, you know, what I want. Uh, and, and I think to a degree it's it's occurring, at least with the, uh, you know, the different OTT services. You know, pay TV is still going to be bundled i mean that they're not going to just uh, the, the the whole tv ecosystem is not going to break apart tomorrow but you know the choices out there i think i think what they were indicating is that uh, there's so many so much choice out there things are becoming uh, pretty overwhelming and you know it may actually cause some consumers you know to give bundles another look you know from a, at least from a uh a price point Standpoint. Um, yeah. I think a lot of this also has to do with what people are willing to spend. You know, and you start adding together all these one off direct to consumer video services, I mean, it can add up pretty quick.
0: Yeah, and including it all makes, uh, you know, your broadband, your phone, your, your pay TV service. Plus, if they gave mm-hmm. us some kind of Netflix or some sort of over the top option like Hulu, that mm-hmm. that just makes it, it's one less thing you have to think about. Um, let's move yep. on to trend number two. So pay TV providers are fending off over the top uh, threats with their own over the top services and their own uh, TV everywhere apps. So in this uh, trend, they're doing the act um, and on the one side, they're doing uh, they're helping the consumer out by giving them more choice. On the other side, they're adding to the problem by launching their own um, services and their mm-hmm. own over the top apps and stuff like that. Um, you wrote about uh, Viacom's investment in Pluto TV recently. Um, you know, Viacom, of course, being uh, a massive—I uh, don't know—studio system content owner. Um, what do you uh, what do you make of what's going on there? Because they already had some investment in the over the top space.
1: Right. Well, yeah they they had uh, they were an, they're an investor in Philo, which is a an over the top pay TV service, and then yeah, they turn around and buy, you know, Pluto TV, you know, for more than $300 million. And, you know, I, when I kind of look at that, I think that it says that there's a voracious appetite for free ad supported streaming Uh out there. And, you know, programmers like Viacom, you're right. Yeah. They own MTV. I mean, and you know, a lot of networks kind of in that old traditional pay TV world, but I think that they kind of see this trend as, you know, there's an opportunity to really expand uh, their digital ad inventory. And I think it's also a realization that, you know, there's also a limit to the number of subscription services people are going to buy, you know, and I think that kind of fits in with what we talked about with the TiVo study. I mean, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, you know, I mean, then what? You know, I mean, then (laughs) do do you pay for a niche service like you know, CBS All Access because you like Star Trek or, you know, is there another niche thing? But I mean, uh, you know, I think that there's, you know, there's definitely a limit on, uh, you know, what people are willing to pay for. And, you know, there's just enough demand there. You know, I I think that you're seeing a lot of folks, you know, jump into this game. You know, I mean, Viacom, it made a big bet, like we said. I mean, there's other services, Tubi's out there, they're pretty popular. You know, Amazon is jumping in with some ad-supported uh, video, you know, Voodoo, you know, the Walmart-owned company is doing it. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you, the other thing is uh, you have to really execute on it the right way. I mean, I kind of look at Verizon and Go90. I mean, that yeah. was free, ad-supported, and, you know, that did not work out at all. You know, it didn't get any traction. Uh, you know, th- there's probably a lot of reasons why. But, I mean, it was a two-walled in, you know, despite – some efforts to put some exclusive in there. You know, I think Verizon just kind of ran out of patience, you know, and, and you um, know the,
0: the whole strategy kind of altered in focus anyway. Did yeah. Samsung have a, a, a direct to consumer video platform as well? Like some kind of thing they did just exclusively on their phones. They were, um, I don't even remember what it was called.
1: But... Oh, was it like uh, milk video? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I milk milk video. It, it was,
0: yeah. Yeah. It it it, yeah. it was another example. It wasn't ads, It wasn't like an ad supported thing, but I think that was one of the models they talked about because they were they were really trying to make that thing work for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, I think it, kind of seeing the, somebody buy Pluto TV. I mean, I think it's you know every market like this. There's going to be a lot of folks jumping in. There's going to be a, you know the inevitable. You know, shakeout, and yeah. uh, you know, I have to see how what, what Viacom does with Pluto TV, you know, going forward. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that kind of puts Pluto TV kind of in that that winter circle, you know, or at least you know one of them that's gonna, you know, break through and survive. Yeah.
0: yeah so you but you you kind of outlined how that looks from a content owner point of view. You know, they own these traditional channels that are distributed via mm. pay TV. Now they've got this ad supported online digital only sort of uh method for also capturing uh people's attention and and you know market share wallet share whatever um how does this look for the service provider so a t and t has uh via direct t v they have their own over the top app uh comcast and some others are doing the same thing but they're they're making pay t v available over Hardware platforms that they don't necessarily own, and over apps that could be distributed, you know, via your phone or whatever. Is that strategy, mm-hmm. does that strategy seem uh, reasonable for, you know, for the owners of traditional pay TV?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, helping them in the sense that it does provide you know, some options that are not. The old set-top box. I mean, consumers definitely want to have their own options. Uh, You know, they have Roku boxes, and you know, and and you know, I think the set-top box, just as a category in itself, is you know has a terrible stigma to it. Um, uh, But it'll help. I think MVPDs, from a capex standpoint, you know, they can offload some of those costs if the consumers are buying. You know, they're uh, spending the money on the device that they're connecting to the TV uh, you know, I'm not sure it's really doing much for them uh, from a subscriber acquisition standpoint. You know, I, I think, you know, in order to kind of keep everybody happy, they can, they have to uh, support these other platforms uh, you know, but how it's affecting their bottom line. I think that that's, that's questionable. I, I think that they just kind of are coming to the realization that, you know hey this is the way the market's going to shift you know we better uh get involved uh, and uh you know at the same time i think uh, that whole shift is affecting you know the set top box market um uh you yeah, know everyone's struggling right now it's it's just uh in decline
0: yeah yeah that's one thing i noticed looking at ovum's numbers um pay tv services yeah. over the over the past year uh are, are down both in subscriber and in subscriber count and in revenue count. But when you look at the pay TV operators in terms of the other businesses that they're in, be, uh, be it mobile, uh, broadband, uh, or, you know, any other way that they can reach subscribers, all of those businesses are in, are on the increase. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and pay TV is the one thing that, that doesn't work or, or not say it doesn't work, doesn't, um, that isn't growing, uh, year over year so I guess maybe that these uh, this this way of fending off over the top threats by also providing your services over the top, it, I you know I guess it just sort of keep gives them yet another option to reach consumers if they can't figure out what consumers really want to do.
1: Yeah, and I think it, it you know the other thing I've been trying to keep an eye on is like how important pay TV is really to the the cable business yeah <laughs> you know? um yeah i think uh it's it's still important i mean it's not like um they're just giving up on it i mean that's unless you're again cable one is an example of one that is thinking that pay tv doesn't really matter but to others i think it still is but they're also being um a, a little more mindful in terms of uh how they are Going after that market, um, you know, Comcast just had its earnings, and you know, it, it keeps replaying the notion that uh, you know our strategy in pay TV is going to be to focus on the most uh, uh, profitable customers and not chase down every person in the world, you know, and let the virtual MVPDs fight over the people who are going to churn out, you know, the, the first moment somebody else winks at them, you know? So I, so I think that, you know, they, they have to kind of factor all that into their business and, and understand the value of the subscribers that they have yeah. and understand that some subscribers just aren't worth
0: it. Yeah. You know, yeah. um,
1: they're, they're worth more trouble than they, than they are to get and try to keep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the cost of keeping them happy is way, way too high. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about our third trend in the pay TV universe. here with Jeff Baumgartner and we're still talking about pay TV and our third trend uh, for the pay, you know, what's going on in pay TV is at least as as far as I can tell at the moment. I always, you know, uh, (laughs) give myself a little wiggle room there. Um, So third Mm -hmm. trend is uh, pay TV providers are, uh, uh, you know, are eager to reach consumers anywhere they can. And one way is via mobile devices. And so the trend we might be seeing is that pay TV providers could, um, uh, could, could really change things for themselves by figuring out a good mobile strategy. Um, the, uh, the one I want to kind of hone in on here to get sort of focus on is, is Comcast because they're a recent mm-hmm. entrant into the mobile, um, you know, the mobile domain, uh, via Verizon, but, um they just seem like you know inside of comcast they seem like the company that's embodying every single one of the pay tv trends we've talked about um so so first of all maybe you could talk about a little bit about what's what's going on on their mobile side
1: yeah sure the um uh, yeah i think i think it's it's good to kind of point out strategically what they're they're trying to accomplish right with with xfinity mobile um i mean they're really using that service to bundle uh in broadband customers right mm-hmm. i mean they're not right. offering this as a standalone service um that would you know be more direct concern be of more direct concern to like at&t and t-mobile or spread you know and verizon which actually benefits you know from Xfinity mobile because it's the MVNO partner. Right. Uh, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so that's how they're, they're kind of using it. Um, uh, because broadband is really become the, the central piece of the cable business. And, you know, so they're kind of, uh, thinking they're thinking is, you know, you have to be a broadband customer of ours as a bare minimum to get the Xfinity mobile service. And, you know, maybe if you're not a pay TV subscriber, you know, you'll also bundle that in. So, I mean, that that's kind of how they are using it um, right now. And, you know, they are losing money on it. Um, uh, they just, you know, had their earnings, they kind of walked through that. I mean, yeah. yes, they believe, they believe they're on a path, you know, with Xfinity Mobile for it to be able to stand on its own economically. Um, but, you know, they're not really predicting when that's going to happen. I think they have mm-hmm. like 1.2 million subscriber lines or something. So, uh, you yeah, know, I think it's, uh, yeah, they're not, really that much of a direct threat to some of the larger mobile guys. But, uh, you know, that's kind of how they are uh, approaching that business. A little bit different. You
0: know. Yeah, it is. It, it keeps it keeps yep. everything um, uh, related to the, you know, kind of, it keeps the customer sort of, keeps Comcast and their brand in front of them at all times, you know, all right. with all the different services. Um, I wonder, too, like how, uh, to what degree Comcast views, Just a mobile device, as you know. Hey, if they're in our network, even if it's through the MVNO, if they're a subscriber of ours on a mobile service, we can count that as like a viewer of some sort. Like we can reach them with over-the-top programming somehow, or or pay pay TV programming that just happens to be distributed, you know, via mobile.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that uh, uh, part of it is yeah realization that. Uh, you know they have to be able to reach their customers wherever they are on whatever device they're on. And you know, I guess if you have uh, a little more ownership of that mobile piece, you know, more than none <laughs> that they right. would have otherwise that <laughs> right. uh, that that they view that as a good thing. And uh, but um know, yeah, I'm also curious to see what other how other cable operators are gonna do this, right? Because Charter is practically running the same game plan with Spectrum Mobile right. that Comcast is with Xfinity Mobile. Uh, the one that is, could be kind of interesting is uh, what Altice USA is going to do with Sprint. You know, right. they, they keep saying, well, it's a full MVNO, it's a lot different, we're going to have a lot more control of the experience and what we can do. Um, you know, what the, how that's going to translate. Into the service um, and how it's going to be uh, different than what we've seen from uh, Comcast or Charter. I guess you know, time will tell. You know, here a little bit later this year, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to see if there's kind of a different way to uh, to kind of crack the nut. Yeah,
0: know? maybe they can have um, you know at a deeper. Maybe they can integrate content and uh, programming at a deeper level than what's possible if it's just being resold. But. Um, I get, guess, I'm guessing anyway, well, let's, let's also talk about something else that's in the Comcast umbrella of companies, um, that, that is, you know, to kind of talks more to our, uh, our second trend about, um, uh, everyone coming up with their own, uh, over the top app and people and, and content providers offering things directly to consumers and bypassing the entire pay TV ecosystem, um, NBCU, mm-hmm. um. Is going to be launching its streaming service, and you know we've heard of Disney uh, uh, wanting to launch one. Uh, they're they're on their way to launching one. Um, this NBC uh, thing is happening as well, and it's interesting because it's happening. You know, it, it's it's owned by a company that that sells broadband and also pay TV. Um, what what do you what do you make of this this approach by NBC, and what do you think is actually different about a company like that streaming directly to customers, as opposed to going through the traditional uh, pay TV mm-hmm. channels.
1: Yeah, they're definitely taking a little bit of a different angle on it. I think that um, NBC, Universal, like other programmers, know that you have to have like a direct-to-consumer product in your arsenal. You know, because not everybody is going to be in a pay TV bundle, uh, you know, cord cutting continues to happen. Uh, it's likely that, you know, pay TV is going to continue to decline, you know, from a subscriber standpoint, but the way that MBCU is going to take this on, I guess uh, it'll be next year when they launch it, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're really focused on scale and economics. Um, not that others in the direct to consumer market would not be focused on those things but i think that they understand or kind of know from the investment that they have in hulu Uh and you know they also they also tried something with a service called CISO. it was like a an ott direct-to-consumer comedy service right Uh and Uh yeah and i think that um you know they under they know i mean the direct-to-consumer video business is very expensive uh to nail up and, and maintain, you know, there's a lot of costs, you know, not just for the content, but for the subscriber acquisition, um, that maybe not everybody recognizes or maybe fully appreciates. Uh, but you know, the, the, the thing that they're doing a little bit differently with the way they're going to kind of come out of the shoot is they're going to be using, uh, Comcast and sky, uh, down in the UK to kind of get scale mm-hmm. for the service, right away because they're going to offer this for free free being you know bundled in uh with the pay tv service And they want to do something like that with other uh mvpds they want to negotiate that and get that available there uh but then on top of that they're also going to offer it as a standalone for a separate fee uh but then you know whether you're buying it for a fee or you're getting it for free through your pay tv provider they're still going to have advertising in there um you know they they are talking about maybe like an ad free version um in like maybe parts of europe they kind of talked about so i mean if you kind of look at it all together i mean they're they're being very cautious um on how they're going to go about that and you know i think it's it's interesting that they're doing that because i think What's happening at the same time, people are starting to look at even a company like Netflix with more scrutiny with respect to the, their spending, right? I mean, they just raise the rates, but you know, content licensing and creation of originals, I mean, that's very expensive. So, yeah. um, I think they looked at everything and said, well, this is, if we're going to get scale and make it not cost a billion dollars, you know, here's what we have to do.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a compelling uh, case in, in the amid all the other noise in the direct to consumer space. It's it's right. like I like you were saying. It's the NBC version, uh, as as you've reported on and as we've sort of been looking at, is is strangely um, more compelling because of how strategic it is. It doesn't just exist on its own for no reason. It seems to tie back into every other part of the business somehow. Um, and it doesn't seem to be wanting to, uh, uh, you know, kind of take on Netflix on its own terms.
1: Right. And I think, um, you know, that speaking of Netflix, I mean, every, everybody's, you know, you think about like Warner media NBC, Disney, I mean, they all have, um, these content libraries and, you know, I think that they want to figure out a way to better monetize those libraries um in in kind of the digital and over the top world i mean they're still going to license stuff to netflix and others but i think they're going to be licensing a lot less of it so that's why you know netflix i think you know they they've seen the writing on the wall for a long time yeah. you know back when they had a stars deal and you know stars pulled out of it and then you know they i think they realized that uh you know originals was going to be the path you know when you have full control of the distribution rights and the things you want to do with it, um, uh, but you know, it's, it's going to be harder for them on the library side, um, you know, with all the direct to consumer products. Um, some of that stuff's going to be pulled back.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting too because like um, shows like The Office, Parks and Rec, and stuff like that are um, amongst high school kids and kids that are you know that weren't around when it originated you know, when it originally ran on, on, uh, broadcast television, um, mm. it's become kind of, that's, those are popular shows now. Um, you know, people, people yep. are watching the office, in uh, my son's school, the, the, the office is like a thing again, you know, <laughs> like, like, uh, there, yeah. there, there, there's lots of, uh, uh, you know, talk about something that, that you can only get in archived format. And I wonder to what degree, Uh, You know, NBC and and other content providers are seeing that and going, wow, that's interesting. But now Netflix is getting all of those, uh, getting all of that attention there. You know, Netflix has become the place to go to get all of that. And maybe they want to, yeah, maybe they'll claw some of that back. And maybe Netflix becomes over time, just becomes something that only generates its, you know, is mostly unique programming, I guess.
1: Yeah. Or charge Netflix a lot more than they're paying now for it. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah. You work a lot back. I mean, that's, you know, it seems like that's uh, been the realization. Um, you know, I think that they've decided, you know, we're, we're, we're just not getting the proper value out of some of these shows uh, that we should, or that we could, I guess, um, based on whatever, you know, Netflix is willing to pay. Yeah, you're right. The office was, a great example. You know, I think that, um, you know, they're, they're going to pay Netflix is going to be paying a lot more for that than they did previously. Yep.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess through it all, you know, um, yep. the, the companies are still, each company still trying to figure out what its advantage is in the space. I, I guess we keep coming back to Comcast mm-hmm. because they seem to be the one that's most aware of it. But, um, you know, it, it, through it all, the, the pay TV operators and the, um, and the content owners are, and, and the broadband providers and mobile providers are all whatever business they happen to be in. They're trying to look look around and see like, what can I tie into every other business to make, you know, to, to, to give myself an advantage in the market because from coming from the consumer side, and I, I don't see this changing anytime soon. I'd love to know your thoughts on this, but it just seems like this, this plethora of choices, this, uh, uh, almost random amounts you can pay for content uh for, for different kinds of content. This doesn't seem to be settling down or sorting itself out anytime soon?
1: No, I think it's gonna become even you know more complicated, you know, especially for consumers, you know, because uh you know like consumers watch shows more than they watch networks, right? right. And um yeah and then suddenly that world is becoming increasingly fragmented, you know, and I don't think it's sustainable or possible, you know, for a consumer to have to subscribe to, you know, 12 services <laughs> to get yeah. all the content that they want, uh, you know, and and I don't think they will. I mean, there's they just won't pay that much. But, you know, that, that sort of scenario is possible. And, uh, you know, and I think that that will... At the same time, start to help those that think bundling is the right way to go. So, yeah. uh, you know, the uh, that, that might be the irony of all this thing. You know, everything will get blown up and fragmented, but then it's all gonna come back and coalesce at some point, or at least to a maybe not the same degree, but uh, to a uh, to a degree nonetheless.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, some somebody somewhere will figure out a way to bundle some of these things together and make it. Easy on the consumer again. Um,
1: Yeah, I think I think like Disney Plus. I mean, that's going to be a great, an interesting service. But it's like, man, if it's another twelve bucks, you know, that's that's a lot. Or or do they do a deal with also do a deal with like a MVPD and get like a a bundled discount? I mean, I I could see that happening. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Especially if you have the market power of Disney or somebody, you know, something akin to that would would yep. be able to command uh, uh you know you you know built in that you're going to get some consumer mind share just for showing up and uh who needs that the most i would say probably somebody like t-mobile or sprint um you know yep. uh, or maybe even verizon if you're if you're talking about from a pay tv point of view i think they've only got like 5 million pay tv subscribers so um they're yep. of, the, of all the service providers they're they're uh most in need of a boost as far as that goes well, hey Jeff, thanks for um, helping me walk through the, the th- these three trends, and also just sort of, uh, you know, giving us the background on how these things got to be the way they are. Um, we can find you uh, on LightReading.com, of course. What's your uh, uh, what's your Twitter handle for folks? Uh,
1: the Twitter handle is the Bominator at the So find me there.
0: Yep, Bominator. All right, Jeff, thanks so much. All right, thanks, all. Okay, that is it. That is all we've got. That's our show. The podcast is mixed and edited by Tian Fu, senior producer on the Light Reading video team. You can reach us by emailing editors at lightreading.com or follow Light Reading on Twitter. We're at light underscore reading. For the articles and research we talked about on the show, please visit uh, lightreading.com and search podcast. And thanks again to Jeff Baumgartner, uh, senior editor at Light Reading, the Bominator for being on this episode, and you there with the headphones, thanks so much for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. I definitely do appreciate it. All right, enjoy the rest of your week, everyone. Bye.